everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and welcome to 2023. Uh, This has started out as not a great year already within, what, 48 hours of it starting, um, with Jeremy Renner in the hospital due to a snowplow accident, apparently a seven-ton snowplow ran over him as he was helping a stranded family member. Um, and, uh, thankfully it looks like he is going to pull through and be okay. He's posting photos of himself on Instagram, um, in the hospital. He looks banged up, but, um, it's, um, at least he's alive and hopefully, um, we'll be back in fighting shape, but it's probably going to be a long road. Um, so, 2023, here we are. Um, lots of stuff coming out this year that we've been waiting for. Um, and then you have Avatar 2, which has just blown away the box office already and has crossed the billion dollar mark and is on its way to $2 billion uh, and keeps proving that you should not underestimate James Cameron ever or he'll drown you, um, as is the way of water. But uh, I'm this year is going to be a big one in movies. We've been, there's like an entire realm of Marvel films and properties coming. Uh, the Mandalorian returns in a couple months, uh, on Disney. We're going to get the Ahsoka show this year. Um, just tons of things happening. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, one thing that just got announced literally today, as of this recording on the 3rd of January, um, is that, the Boston Strangler movie is actually coming to Hulu. Um, I was surprised by that news because I was pretty sure that was going to be hitting theaters, but apparently it is going to be in Hulu, uh, on Hulu, and that will be premiering in, um, I believe it is March, on March 17th, exclusively in on Hulu in the U.S., and uh, it will be in Disney Plus and on other networks, which is or networks, other countries, which I still find that amusing that Disney Plus is going to have the Boston Strangler on it, but there you go. Um, Now, they just released images from this new uh, version of the story that focuses more on the female reporters who helped helped with this case and kept um, on top of it. Uh, And I... um, this just looks really, really, really good. Kira Knightley's in it. Um, Carrie Coon is in it. Um, also interesting, uh, and, and so far we haven't really gotten a lot of information on who's playing who, uh, but friend of the show, um, David Dasmalchin is in this and I'm almost positive he's going to be playing the Boston Strangler. Um, but I mean, Maybe. I don't know. I can't speak to that. We don't know. Uh, Chris Cooper's in it. Uh, just a ton of really great actors. Um, I'm very excited for this. Uh, the, the Tony Curtis film that is available on, uh, Voodoo is unnerving, um, and really, um, really amazing film, uh, how they, how they handled the story and is one of the definitive versions of this true crime story. Um, it's, it's a tragic story on many levels, not just with the murders, but just everything that happened, um, in the, in the country at that time, or in specifically in, in the Boston area, um, that was from this and just, 
wow. Um, can't say enough about that Tony Curtis film. So definitely check that out. Uh, but this is actually going to talk about the women who helped, you know, keep this in this, you know, keep this in the public eye and, um, wanting to find out what the truth was about the, the case and the murders. And I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm a true crime junkie and this looks great. Uh, so, uh, it is going to be, as I said, March 17th on Hulu. Uh, so this episode, I wanted to take a moment to, um, cause we didn't really do a best of worst of, uh, 2022. Um, so this is sort of my best of, uh, 2022 gift to you. Um, so I covered all three of the Halloween trilogy movies. Um, of course it's a trilogy. There would be three, um, that David Gordon Green and company did. And it was some of the best stuff I got to do. I was, I got to go on the set of the, the first one. I got to interview everybody involved for all three films. Um, for the most part. And it was fantastic. I loved the trilogy. I know it's, uh, shattered a lot of fans, um, and a lot of viewers, uh, you know, views on this, on the story and how it went. Um, but I truly, truly loved Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends. I, I thought it was great. I loved what David Gordon Green did, um, as well as the other writers on, what they used Michael Myers and the mythology and story of him and Laurie for and how it was used to give a story about the different kinds of trauma and things going on in the world to, um, to speak to that and how it can affect us. And the third movie Halloween ends, um, really knocked everybody for a loop that was expecting something of the tried and true um, story, which is Michael Myers goes out and kills a bunch of people. And, um, it's a, a showdown with him and Lori Strode, which we got a showdown between them, but it, it was not the focus of the movie, the movie. Um, and I, there is, uh, my entire review is up on fangirlmag.com for this really spoke about the outsiders and how, um, how people are treated and, and how, um, this can affect those that are sort of forgotten and on the sidelines who are suffering from trauma and, um, things that they have going on and how it can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, speaking to the, the types of, of people that, you know, your, your, your lone wolf killers in the, the lone gunman types that have been going out and doing school shootings and, and how people either don't help or notice, or are there, you know, they, their own attitudes and things push people to an edge that they fall off of. And Halloween ends with Corey Cunningham, I thought was, uh, really fantastic on how it spoke to that and how you had this poor kid who finally couldn't take it anymore. Um, all of the, the things around him conspired to make him into what he became in the film. And it's sad because there are, are parts where, um, 
you know he's tried to find help for himself because no one's helping him, um, really. Uh, and he's he'll spout off some psychoanalyst, um, you know, ideas. And you know that he's been doing the research trying to help himself. And it's, it's a, uh, it's tragic. And, uh, Rowan Campbell really did a fantastic job with that character. The, the entire film I thought was great in how it spoke and used him. Now, a lot of people were mad because they wanted their full on Michael Myers buffet with this. And it's funny, somebody pointed out early on when people were, were complaining that, um, that he had more screen time. Michael Myers had more screen time in Halloween ends than he did in the original Halloween. So it's still funny to me that people are picking apart this film and bashing it. I've been attacked online myself by, um, by the, the, these guys that are like, I, I call them quote unquote horror bros, but they're not even that they're, um, they're, they're guys that are out there to, to be complaining about anything that they don't agree with and they will attack you. Um, you know, I'm fine with you having an opinion, but you can have your opinion and do it in a way that isn't being a douchebag, but that doesn't stop them. And so these guys are this, this, the one that jumped me, um, was also, uh, one of the Zack Snyder guys who, if you didn't see that, they're already planning on being in force at uh, San Diego Comic-Con in, um, July to make their point known that they are, they want James Gunn removed and, and all of this, um, insanity. So, I guess it's going to be interesting to see the Westboro Baptist Church guys, if they even show up this time, uh, alongside the Zack Snyder army that want him reinitiated into um, Warner Brothers in DC instead of James Gunn. So it's, they're out there in force um, posting about how they can't be stopped and, and all of this. So great times, great times. These are the guys that you really want to talk to and hear about um, and hear from when they have their, um, what their, their idea of a film is because yeah, there's going to be interesting takes. That's what I'll say. So anyway, Halloween ends. I loved it. It, I, I loved all three of these films. Um, yes, kills had some issues, but I saw what it was about and what they were doing and it made sense to me. And I really loved it. I, I, these were great films. Uh, so, or great times, you know, I, I don't know what people expected when Michael Myers is nearly 70 and so is Laurie Strode. Uh, so there's not going to be a real massive knockdown drag out fight. They, they just physically can't do that and it would look silly. Um, so what we got, I thought was fantastic. I loved everything they did. So anyway, back to my gift to you guys. I think you'll enjoy. Uh, I, as I said, I got to, um, I got to interview a lot of people involved with these movies and the big one that I got for Halloween ends, uh, that I was really thrilled to talk to was John Carpenter, um, the man himself. And it was a fantastic interview. And, um, uh, it was printed in Horror Hound magazine's uh, coverage of the film, but 
uh, I think that just hearing from the man himself and hearing us discuss together things like synthwave music, uh, video games. The video game part wasn't in the article because it didn't have anything to do with the movie, but I wanted to talk to John Carpenter about video games and music on top of everything else. Because after a while, you get tired of being asked the same stuff about Halloween. And I I know that he's a big gamer, which is awesome. And I know that he is a massively talented musician, which everybody knows. And I wanted to pick his brain about music. Um, uh, so it was a real thrill, and I wanted to share that entire interview with you guys as we go into 2023. Um, and um, hopefully at some point, I would love for John Carpenter to return and do a video game-based movie. I think he would be amazing at it. He, um, you know, and something like Bioshock or... System Shock would be even better, um, which is what Bioshock was um, the get by. Uh, I think that would be great. I'd love to see him do even a, an original film that's based around something converging in horror and video games. I believe he could do it. I think he would do great. So, um, yeah, I uh, John Carpenter is a gamer. And so if you're out there playing like um, some of these uh, like Fallout 79, if you're out there, uh, playing that and you've been taken down, you may have been taken down by John Carpenter. And I mean, if you're going to be taken down in a video game, that's a, that's a badge of honor right there. But anyway, again, I, I really wanted to share this with you guys. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, you get to hear me scream out bullshit when, um, when there's one uh, story being told by Carpenter about, um, how he was treated during an event, um, which I still stuck to my guns on that. Um, John Carpenter is the man. So anyway, I wanted to share this with you. So this is what you get as a special gift, this first episode from 2023. Um, again, I tried to get this out before the end of the year, but um, everything kind of conspired against that. So this is a good New Year's gift for you guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I will be back again um, hopefully this month. I'm going to try and do at least one of these a month, if not two, um, depending on what we can do for you and timing wise and, and work. Um, but at least one a month um, would be nice. And uh, that way, you know, you can keep hearing from us and keep hearing about our thoughts on the entertainment industry and things going on and more interviews, which I think you'll enjoy. So with that, here we go. Here comes the master of horror and the father of Michael Myers himself, John Carpenter. Hi. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fantastic, sir. It is wonderful to speak to you again. Uh, we met a few years ago at a horror hound convention, and um, you're you're a legend. And I'm just really thrilled to have have you take the time to talk to me today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Well, and first of all, I wanted to start off by saying thank you for Vampires. It is probably one of my favorite vampire movies of all time. And <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely love it. And uh, you made James Wood a complete badass. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to start off by picking your brain. I know I don't have you for very long, but... Um, 
So my first question is probably one you've been asked previously, but I'm just curious myself. What has seen the evolution and legacy of Halloween been like for you and seen the evolution of Laurie Strode kind of catapulting over Michael as being the face of the franchise and being the hero she is? That's an interesting question. Um, Well, uh, you know, it began when I made the first Halloween in 1960. Just a little low-budget horror movie, exploitation horror movie, but it became something else. And in the in the show business, what happened was, and this happens a lot, it was a low, a movie that didn't cost much money, made a bunch of money. So Hollywood wants to repeat that. Let's do that again, <laughs> as it <And> does. That <laughs> wasn't my. That wasn't something I really, really longed to do, rather not. But uh, I can't stop them from doing it, so I might as well join in the fun. <laughs> so uh, I was involved in the second one, mm-hmm. Halloween uh, Two. <laughs> then uh, we we tried a different direction, and we tried to do a movie that was not about Michael Myers at all, but about something else. And it didn't work. The audience didn't like it. Uh, The producers, (coughs) the money people, went right back to the original (laughs) story. And I just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. I thought, what is this shit? Excuse me. (laughs) What what are we doing? There's no story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway... Uh, and it limped along like that for quite a while, mm-hmm. and uh, I st- I kind of stopped watching. I heard my uh, heard my music stuck on these movies, <laughs> which I found ridiculously funny. But that's fine. They they paid me pretty much every time it got made, but. Uh, Finally, um, Jason Blum, years ago, <laughs> said, "You know that we're gonna we're gonna read do a uh, another sequel to Halloween, yet another one." <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> can you come aboard as a associate producer and just sort of shepherd it through and uh, and and do the music and. Uh, you know, at at that time, uh, I had embarked on a, on a kind of a career with my son and godson. So, talked over with them. We kind of liked the idea. So, uh, that's that's what we decided to do. And David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, came up with a story. I thought it was just great. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Gordon Green is a really terrific director. Wow, Man, he's fantastic. He got control of the, He's amazing. So I got, I got lucky, and so I just dropped into this. And uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I like to do. I love making money when I don't have to really do much. <laughs> which is I, you can't fight. You about. can't. You can't make it. You know, I complain about that. That's that's great. <laughs> no, I can't. It's a really good thing. 
So, uh, so uh, off, off we went, and uh, out came 2018's Halloween, and then uh, Halloween Kills last year, and now Halloween ends, and I'm uh, I'm sitting here uh, having had a great time. Well, and, and I, I really love how they took Lori and put her forward because you and, and Jamie together, along with Deborah, created such a an icon in her, especially with these films and how she's just taken her own power. And I really love that. Oh, uh, big time. Well, I was in the beginning. I didn't know that they would get Jamie, but they got her and. Oh, it was a spectacular move. You know, and Jamie, Jamie, frankly, is a force of nature. Can't fool around with Jamie. <laughs> Here she is. And uh, she did great. I'm so proud of her. And, uh, you know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> uh, but so now, and she's even, the, even better in, uh, in Halloween. Is, oh, my God. She's so he, good. And, she's fierce. Uh, huge. She's a warrior. Yep. But you know, I've been <laughs> I've been blamed for being a misogynist. Oh, yeah, no. First Halloween. Nah. Yes, that's, they do. That, that, they that's, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. <laughs> well, I, I, one, <laughs> one year, the Directors Guild, I, I got active in the Directors Guild years ago, they said, oh, would you appear at this and, and present at this film, this women's film festival? I said, oh, sure. I went and introduced me and, and boo! The whole audience started booing me. I'm not kidding. So I, I, I went, what? <laughs> uh, but I did my job and uh, these were, I think it was more feminist bent than anything. Thought I was a piece of trash. Maybe they're right. I don't know, but anyway. I, 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 as a woman, can can testify that I do not think you're a misogynist, and I think you're awesome. Okay. So, there you go. Thank At you least you got much. my vote. Oh, I appreciate. It. I need. <laughs> I need your support. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you. In, we'll get you into the presidency yet. Um, so my. But you my, know, Jamie got uh, Jamie got this award at uh, the Venice Film Festival, yeah. Rare Lifetime Achievement Award, and. I just, I think, man, she is, she's done it. The little, the little girl I directed in 78, and now, now she's, she's just fantastic. I can't say enough. Yeah, I think he may very well get nominated for an Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once, um, for her role in that. He may get a, a supporting Oscar nom, and that would be fantastic. Um, for what? For what? Uh, for, uh, it's called everything. I believe it's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, she was ah. uh, opposite um, Michelle Yeoh in that. And uh, I think he may get an Oscar nom for that movie. I hope she does. He's fantastic. Really? Oh, yeah. would that be great? I, I think it would oh, be amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, so my next question for you, and I'm, I'm, this is one that I'm going to start digging into your, your writing chops and, um, and directing chops here, is David Gordon Green and these films you are using them to really kind of comment on the effects of trauma and how society reacts to it. 
I was curious yeah. oh, what yeah, you, big time. I was curious your take on that and and how you saw that progress and and um, your thoughts on that and using the genre to talk about that. I think it's the perfect genre to talk about it. And this was especially true in the first one, and then in the second one there was kind of this uh, survivors group that got together. And I thought, wow, you know what? That's that's a long way from you know the kind of exploitation stuff that we did back in. 78. Uh, I love it. Uh, but man, I think I love it. But it's a new world, okay? It's a brand new world out there. Um, yeah. I, 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 there's one thing that, uh, that uh, Harvey Weinstein did was he was turned the world onto the scumbags. I, I give him that. But he totally have... did. Well, and kind of piggybacking off of that uh, to me you're one of the pioneers like rod serling who used the genre to speak to what is happening around us with with the yeah. films that you did what do you think about the wave of films that are doing this today and where it is going not just in horror but in science fiction and uh how they're you know like jordan peele is using films to to speak to racism and that and you did that with um with pro-life which i thought wow today that's definitely prescient well uh jordan field's a brilliant director by the way i have to say just say that uh and uh he has a vision and an eye for directing i mean i'm just impressed with him uh aside from him i mean there's some people who are really trying to you know, utilize thematic material in horror films to uh, comment, not comment, movies don't really comment, they just have amplify, I suppose is a better word, uh, things in society. And uh, uh, I think, it, you know, it's a new generation and, and it's awesome, but that's the thing about horror. And that's why horror will survive, because each new generation reinvents it for itself. Uh, I came along and after George Romero and Toby Hooper reinvented it, and I took a stab at it. And uh, I think it goes on and on from here. Well, and and I asked um, I asked this to David, and I'm curious of your answer because of the times we're in, and how does horror stay horrifying in a world like this, where every day you turn on CNN, you're seeing some new horrible reality what do you do with the with the story and the genre to keep it going well uh, movie horror is a lot different than real life horror the real life horror is a real thing that's real that's real yeah uh, movie horror is fake and it's all theatrically done elicit emotion from you uh Audiences love to be scared. Like a, just like a ride at an amusement park. They love to be scared. And uh, they have since the old days, since Dracula and Frankenstein in the 30s. And the, these monsters nowadays are popular. They become like heroes. Uh, so a different time and 
care of people pretty much the same way you always have. There's just the cinematic techniques. And you, they're extremely cheap, and you have to be a, a little embarrassed to use them. <laughs> they're effective. Jump scares are, are when you do them right. They they uh, they're great. I really like them. When you do them right, the audience just goes crazy. Yeah. <laughs> do them wrong, they go, "Oh, come on now." Well, and one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you, and I, I know I'm probably going to lose you here in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to talk to you about your music. Uh, I absolutely love your music. I love the collaboration you did with Gunship for Tech Noir. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did nothing but read a, a script. So. <laughs> I know, but it was it was great. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, for composing, what I was going to ask was, how does having a gift, and this is kind of both both of your skills that you, you've shown that you're great at, how does having such a gift for music help you in creating film and vice versa, finding the beats, for example, in, in both? Wow, that's a great question. Well, it it all comes from film school. You had to be a jack of all trades. You didn't have any money to make a student film, so and you had, people would come around and say, can you compose music for me? Yeah, oh, yeah, I can do that. So you put together something simple. And that's what I did with my own movies. Um, just be, but, but out of necessity. I don't have the greatest chops in the world. That, and uh, I don't mind that. I can do some things really simply. The simple things I can do pretty well. But now I'm working with my son and my godson. And my son is a virtuoso on the keyboards. Nice. Anytime there's a difficult part, turn to him. <laughs> I, I, and uh, my my godson Daniel is a, a just virtuoso guitar player, so tape I can kind of rest on on their talent. And, but uh, have, having musical ability really helps. Really helps. It's so, also the secret. It's a lot more fun <laughs> work on music than it is directing. Let me tell you right now. Oh God. <laughs> Directing is horrible. It's the pressure is awful, and uh, but uh, music is just a joy. Well, anyway. and well, and one thing I wanted to ask you: um, when you're when you're composing, what is the process for you to create a score that reaches into people to make that emotional fear or creeping feeling come into them? Because You've done that. Like I absolutely love what you did for the fog. That that music is so oh, perfect. Uh, can you talk about that a little? I don't know. I mean, uh, what we do is we get the cut of the movie and we just begin improvising. Rise the score. Uh, we come up with some themes. We're cut with sometimes the characters just comes out it's in there uh, i don't know how to explain it otherwise it's it isn't it isn't thought out that's for sure well and uh, well one thing that stands out for me and i i love synth rock uh i and and you are like one of the ma maestros of that 
what was it about the synthesizer and that kind of genre that really grabbed you because you've utilized it in so many of your films and it's it's effectively used? Well, this goes back to um, film school again. When you have no money <laughs> uh, you and you get to a keyboard and a synthesizer, you can sound big. You can do all sorts of parts like string parts, horn parts, drums, all on this keyboard. So it's a poor man's, uh, or it can be a poor man's orchestra. That's that's what got me to start. That is awesome. And and uh, that, that kind of leads to one of my last questions for you, which is, what do you, what kind of advice would you have for the up and coming, like independent filmmakers that I, we, you know, I have so many friends that are out there making their own independent films, but that's great advice is a simple way of scoring your movie using just one instrument. Oh, hell yes. I mean, that's a great way. And if you have any ability or you know somebody who can play a keyboard, you're off and running. And plus, plus your friends, you know, they're, they're your independent filmmakers. They are, uh, they have at their disposal such incredible uh, technology these days. And we I never had this. There's digital cameras, and they've become cheap, and you can shoot things that look great for no money. I mean, come on. I don't want to hear any whining. No whining allowed. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I, sir, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I, I just personally, I'm just curious, what video game are you playing right now? Because I love the fact that you love Assassin's Creed and you're, you're a gamer. And uh, that just makes me happy. What are you playing right now? That's got you hooked. Well, I'm hooked on a, uh, one of the fallout movie, uh, uh, games, fallout 76. Oh, I nice. love this game. Nice. Uh, but, uh, I, I recommend, highly recommend, Horizon Zero Dawn. That's a good one. Uh, and Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel. Unbelievable game. I mean, it's unbelievable. Plus, it has my friend Ashley Birch is so great as the Eloy, as the lead. So I can't say enough about it. I, I would, I I'm, would. I'm name dropping now. I'm name dropping. <laughs> Well, I would recommend if you love beautiful games that have vast, uh, vast areas in them. If you've not played any of the Subnautica games, they are amazing. No, I haven't. I, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's all underwater and it's just oh, wow. a vast underwater world. It's amazing stuff. Oh, wow. I may have to try that. Subnautica, there's two of them and they, uh, the, the second one has a female um, protagonist that you're playing. And it's really, really amazing stuff. But thank you again, sir. This has been a joy. Uh, uh, thank you for the gift of your films. And again, I can't say enough about vampires. Again, love that movie. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> all righty, sir. Thank you so much. You stay safe and you have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Take care now. Thank you. Bye bye.